Father, we want to thank you that we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget the way you've led us in the past. Now, Lord, we're going to deal with this intimate area of our lives, our relationships with the opposite sex. And Lord, it's, it's challenging to know how do we be friends, how do we develop the kind of relationship that heaven can approve of. So we pray that you'll be here this morning, that you will guide and lead in the presentation as Nicole leads out. May you bless her words, and may there be gems that each person here can take away. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hello again. Um, you know, I noticed in the last presentation that people came in at the end and there wasn't space. Can we just scoot in those who were kind of sitting on the ends? Just make sure that if there are any chairs in between, you kind of scoot together so that the chairs on the ends are available for those who come in a little bit later. Thanks so much. It's also our way of getting you to be a little closer yeah. to each other. This is, this is all, it's an illustration, but we're just friends. Yeah, don't you want to be friends? Okay, but don't sit on each other's laps. <laughs> With uh, this presentation, uh, we're, we're talking about, but we're just friends. Now, this is something I've heard so many times. In fact, the reason I started making this presentation, I'm actually writing a book. And with three kids under the age of five, at this rate, you'll all be married and have kids of your own by the time I finish it. But I am working on it. So when, when I finish my book, I'll just try to let you know. How do you, how's that? Um, but we're just friends is something one of my friends wrote to me once in an email. She said, oh, yeah, I've got this wonderful friend who's just like a brother in Christ. And I was like, oh, no, not that again. So I wrote back to her and just told her a few things about her friendship. And she wrote back. She's like, wow, even my mom has never told me anything like this. You really need to write a book. And I was like, well, if anybody has the experience that could write it, I should be able to. Because, you know, I went through a period of time, like basically until I was 16, I, I just kind of did things the way the world does things, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't drinking or smoking or sleeping around or anything like that. But I just thought, you know, you goof off, you find a guy you like, well, then you date him, you know. You kiss, you try not to make out too much, but, you know, you, you're a Christian, but things happen, you know. That was kind of my approach to things. And I didn't even date guys that were Adventist, let alone Christian. They were neither one, actually. But um, I meant well. I wanted to follow God, and I couldn't figure out why all my relationships seemed to end up so messy. Not just the ones in which I dated somebody, but even my guy friends. I just couldn't seem to stay friends with a guy. Either we'd become really good friends, and then something would happen that would really mess up our friendship, or else we just, you know, I just kind of, they'd go their way, I'd go my way, you know what I mean? And I learned some great things after I turned 16, that I also want to share with you today. <clears throat> One of the main things that I learned, when I, went, when I was 16, I went to a school called Washita Hills Academy. I don't know, how many of you have ever heard of Washita Hills Academy? It's a great school. It turned my life around. I gave my life to Jesus. For the first time in my life, I understood what Jesus was like. And I was like, you know what? That's a God that I can actually trust. Even though before I'd gone to church every week and all that, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than jumping in a pond makes you a fish. It had to be something that was real in my heart. And when I went to Washita Hills, it made things real in my heart. And I learned some great principles of relationships that really revolutionized the way that I related to guys. It was a process, 
Ask Mrs. Clark. Bless her soul. She went through a lot with me. But I really wanted to do the right thing. And one of the principal things I learned at the age of 16 was that playing with hearts leads to broken relationships. When you make friends with guys or, you know, for girls, make friends with guys. For guys, you make friends with girls. What is your motive? Is it to play with hearts? You know, as a Christian, once I gave my life to Christ, um, I really... I really was determined not to mess with people's hearts. I didn't want to mess up all my relationships. But I still had a lot to learn about what playing with hearts really is. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Sometimes we tell lies to ourselves. Um, are you really just friends? All of you have had friends tell you, Oh yeah, you know, I like Jared, but he doesn't like me. So we talked about it and we decided we'd be just friends. Or, or better yet, we're, we're just best friends. Have you ever heard that one? We're just best friends now. I mean, he's, he's dating Aggie and, and I'm dating so and so. And so we're just best friends. Uh, we're, we, we both really like that. Of course, if he weren't dating Aggie, maybe I'd break up with Johnny, but, you know, he's still dating her. So we're just always, best friends. Always it's always Johnny. Yeah. Poor Johnny. John, John just picked on here. Anyway, <laughs> are you really just friends? Um, for some people, that, that question is a loaded question because the Bible says he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart will be saved. Speaking the truth in your heart. That's what I want to talk about first. Do I think that guys and girls can be just friends and really be nothing but friends? How many of you think that? Raise your hand. Do you think that guys and girls can be really just friends and not, you know, not all high on hormones? All right. I'm with you. I think so too. Isn't that great? Don't you feel relieved? I'm not going to tell you you can't ever be friends with anybody the opposite sex again. I have lots of friends who are guys. In fact, some of my closest friends are guys. And my husband knows that and he, he's fine with that because he, he trusts me. Like he said, we, we have a relationship where we trust each other. I don't have the slightest worry about my husband that he will be unfaithful to me. I trust him 100%. I know what kind of man he is. And I know that if he had a friendship with a girl that he felt uncomfortable with it, he would talk to me about it. He would say, you know, so-and-so seems to be wanting to spend more time with me than I think is appropriate. Please don't, you know, let us alone when we go for a walk. I know him. He's like that. (laughs) And that's a great thing to have. You want to have that with your future spouse. That's part of why I'm presenting this, because a lot of people... You know, right now, I'm assuming most of you guys are single. And what we're talking about here, I'm focusing on what single people have to do to keep their healthy friendships with the opposite sex. But the same principles are going to apply the day after your wedding as the day before your wedding. And a lot of people fall in this area. He that speaketh the truth in his heart will be saved. I was just reading a a website the other day that was about uh, adultery. And um, they said one of the main things is that people will say, but we're just friends. They lie to themselves. We have to speak the truth in our hearts. This verse can be taken to mean a lot of different things, but I think one of the messages that God wants to give to us from it is that we can lie even to ourselves. And it's, it's crucial that we not tell a lie to ourselves and say, no, 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 we're just friends. I had a friend once who, you know, he was into hunting. And I, I just think hunting is one of the most disgusting things in the world. Sorry, people who love to hunt. It just, it just didn't do it for me. And, and he was younger than me, and I knew, you know, he was just never totally not my type. So, and it kind of seemed like he was starting to be interested in me, like he'd want to 
kind of hang with me when we were going for a walk with a whole group of young people. You know, we're doing everything in groups. It's all good. But he'd kind of walk next to me and kind of walk slow so that we'd end up behind everybody else. You know how it is? You've been there, right? And I started getting those signals. But you know what I did? I didn't speak the truth to myself in my heart. I just went, oh, come on. He could never be interested in me. And even more, I could never be interested in him. So I just didn't take it seriously. I thought, no, he's, he's depressed right now. He's going through a hard time. I can help him. <laughs> you know what? One day when he, uh, you know, I just, I was headed out for the summer to go call portering and I stopped by their house to say goodbye and his mom and his sister weren't there. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, okay, well, you know, he invited me inside and I didn't realize initially that they weren't there. When I went in that door, I went in there, honestly, I didn't think that he was alone in the house. When I realized that he was alone in the house, I should have gone out that door right then. But I didn't speak the truth to myself in my heart. I said, oh, come on. And so when I, you know, I lingered for another five minutes or so and they said, well, okay, I got to get going. Bye bye. And he reaches over to give me a hug goodbye, and all of a sudden, he starts kissing my neck. <gasps> and you know what? I didn't pull away. <gasps> that was the biggest shock to me. I was like, how can I possibly? But all of a sudden, all these hormones go surging. I'm like, whoa, how could I possibly feel that for him? <laughs> I did not speak the truth to myself in my heart. I knew. I knew I was doing the wrong thing. I knew all the principles. But I told myself, come on. Now, when you tell yourself, come on, it can't be that, know that you're making a mistake. You're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you can do that when you're single and you can do that when you're married. And the results either way can be devastating. Psalm 51 verse 6 says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Truth in the inward parts. God wants us to speak truth in the inward parts. I think both of these Bible texts tell us strongly. Not only do we need to memorize the Bible, keep it in our hearts, the moment we have a temptation, push it away, claim a promise. Those are all great applications of these Bible verses. But it's also true that people will tell themselves lies. When they know something is true, they will go, oh, come on, it can't be that. Here are some of the lies that I've heard. From the mouths of the most sincere, godly, Christian young people. But we're just best friends. We're just like brother and sister. She's a real sister in Christ. (laughs) We're just prayer partners. Can you pray with somebody of the opposite sex without anything? Absolutely. But these things, these things are things that tell me sometimes you may be having a little problem. He likes me, but I don't like him that way. So we talked about it. And some of you, you know, come on, you've had friends who say this to you, right? Maybe you've even... Made the mistake of saying it to yourself, right? Can a guy and girl be just friends? Absolutely. And hopefully every one of you will be just friends with a lot of people. While you're single, it's very important because um, you're choosing, you're figuring out what kind of spouse you want to marry someday. My friendships with guys from when I was 16 till I was 22, I think, when I first dated somebody, maybe 23, something like that. Between those years, I didn't date anybody. There were guys I liked. There were guys who liked me. But I refused to get into a committed relationship with any of them because I realized that wasn't God's plan for me right then. And that was priceless. Some of my closest friends who are guys are are friends who I've been close to ever since those days. Back when I was 16, 17, 
We built friendships, and we've stayed friends for a lifetime. We always will be friends. Some of those guys are almost like brothers to me, but there's a difference. When I say he's just like a brother to me, I don't mean that I will wrap my arm around him and put my head on his shoulder and assume that I won't have any hormones surge because he's just like a brother to me. Um, when you hear people say, you know, she's just like a sister to me, but you notice they touch each other a lot. You know what? If you, if you touch the person who's your brother or your sister, it doesn't feel the same as you touch somebody who's not your brother or not your sister. It's just that way. And even if it feels the same to you, it may not feel the same to him or to her. You got to be aware. You may be speaking the truth to yourself and saying, I honestly have no such feelings or inclinations toward this this person but that may not be the same for them and you can lose a precious friendship because of that I know I've done it the friends who I had before I was 16 are not my friends anymore I changed the way that I related to guys and when I did that you know what all of a sudden these guys that were so important to me and that told me I was so important to them dropped off the map I was not important to them anymore I wasn't flirting with them I wasn't, you know, letting them wrap their arms around me whenever they felt like it. I wasn't that kind of girl anymore, and so they moved on to find girls who would give them a little more hormone rush than I would. That's frank and brutal, but that's the way it is. Um, <clears throat> most guy-girl friendships seem to fall into three categories. Now, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm not saying if you have a friend who's a guy or a girl, you can never have a close, deep friendship with that person when you're not moving toward marriage. I'm saying, here's a principle. In general, two people who become more and more intimate, and I don't mean physically intimate, I mean emotionally intimate, anything like that. When you're building closeness between you, it makes you long for more closeness. As you long for more closeness, you build more closeness. And that is a wonderful God-ordained process that leads toward marriage. And if you're not going to marry this person, then don't embark on that process. Or when you realize that you're building a relationship that's getting close, pull it back. Pull apart a little bit more so that you don't turn to them with everything. We'll talk about how to do that. Um, Most guy-girl friendships, though, as a rule, are in these three categories. They're long-term, not-too-intense friendships. You know, you may have intense moments. You're going through a hard time. Somebody dies or whatever. You 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 hug, you cry, you pray together. But long-term, you're not going to this person every day and gushing your guts out to them. Or temporary close friendships that fade when we move on. Some people, they build a really intense friendship. I had a lot of intense friendships that ended because either the guy would start liking me or I would start liking him or one of us would start liking somebody else. And all of a sudden, when the hormones surged towards someone else, we found we weren't really interested in spending time together. Oh, now he likes her. Oh, well, anyway. And we'd suddenly, you know, we weren't that interested in being around each other anymore because we'd found somebody else. Or marriage. Marriage is great. It's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm married to the man I'm married to. He is my best friend, and I'm even more in love with him now than I was when I married him, if that's even possible. And that's really hard. But it's true. He's so wonderful. He's such a part of my life. He's great. But you don't want to marry everybody that you love. So if you really love your opposite sex friends and you want to stay friends with them, I would recommend you follow um, some good guidelines. Is it wrong to be more than just friends? Did God ordain more than just friends friendships? God ordained 
this wonderful friendship that my husband and I have. So don't think, you know, I had somebody come to me once. He's like, I feel so bad, Nicole. I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, talk to me about it. I just feel really guilty. Well, about what? You know, he was, he was considerably younger than me. He was just kind of coming to me as an older sister for some counsel. It came out. He was interested in this girl. And I said, well, and that was wrong because? And he just kind of looked blankly. Well, I, I just I prayed about it, and I knew I shouldn't, I shouldn't be you know, interested in her. It's not the right time for me to be interested in her. Well, I'm like, well, it's not the right time to you know, pursue a relationship with her. But that doesn't mean it's wrong to be interested in her. God has ordained that you're interested. I'd be more worried if you weren't interested. The problem is when you start pursuing things, when you know it's not the right time. We talked in our last session about people who can't control themselves. Um, they want what they want, when they want it, right now. My children have uh, some notable tendencies. All three of them, I don't know how it is. A four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a, one, and a less than one-year-old. They can all be the same on this one issue. Whatever they want, they want it now, right now, yesterday. I want my pacifier, I want it now, yesterday. I want to eat now, yesterday. And you know what? That is immaturity. Nothing evil about it. It's just immaturity. That's the way children are. And when we grow up, we should be able to wait for that now. Um, intimacy with an opposite sex friend that builds too intense, too deep, too strong when you're not ready to marry each other does something called the magnet. The magnet principle makes two people get closer and closer to each other until, snap, they can't seem to stop. And if you don't want that to happen to you, you would be wise to pull the magnets farther apart. We'll talk about that. It's not wrong to be more than just friends, but just know that you may appreciate somebody of the opposite sex. You may say, man, she has a lot of characteristics that I'd like to have in my future wife. That's great. Um, just wait until it's the right time to find a spouse and then pursue it. When something good happens to you, we are going to talk now. Okay, um, I have a handout. Where is our handout? Handout, right back there. Um, I have a handout to go through, and every one of you gets to take this home with you so that you can go through this happy little list. Nail it to your wall. Put it over your desk. Put it over your bed, whatever you want. And when you have a friendship with somebody, you go, man, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, is this okay or not? You can go through this happy little list that you have. And you will be able to identify, this is a, this is a list that, list that kind of helps you go through the characteristics of a healthy friendship with a person of the opposite sex. Um, and more, more specifically, whether your friendship with this person is really just friends. If it passes all the, these criteria, that doesn't mean, okay, fine, you're just friends, everything is cool. Sometimes, like we mentioned earlier, some people are interested in a person, you know, say, I'm, I'm spending time with Joe. See, it's not John this time, it's Joe. I'm spending time with Joe, and I just think, wow, Joe's a great guy, but, you know, nothing would ever happen between us. And Joe, on the other hand, is thinking, yes, I'm cultivating my future wife. <laughs> you may laugh, but I've lost friendships that way. I had a guy friend who was younger than me, and we went to academy together, and then we went to college together, and he was nice, you know. I mean, he was a pest when we were kids, but then he got older, and, you know, he kind of matured, and he was actually an all right guy. I was actually closer friends with his younger sister. But then suddenly one day, he came and uh, let me know that he was interested in more than friendship with me, and I was just blown away because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, no. 
But what could I do? You know, I, I just had been dumb. I hadn't listened to the signals. I thought, well, he would never be interested in me because we've been friends forever. I thought I could read his mind. When something good happens to you, this is your first thing on your list, or something bad, who is the first person you want to tell? <clears throat> if it's an opposite-sex friend, that person obviously holds a special place in your heart. Sharing such experiences builds bonds. And when we look for someone to share with, often that's our conscious or unconscious goal. So when you, when you have something happen to you, you know, you just, you had a bad day. Some teacher griped at you in class. You, you know, you go home, you're just like, man, I just wish I could call Joanna. That's, you know, that's a normal tendency, right? But if you're wanting to call an opposite sex friend, you're wanting to sh share with this person because you have a bond with them. And likely you want to build that bond with them. It's better if you're sharing something that's intensely close to your heart, but you're not trying to build toward marriage with someone else, to share that with a same-sex friend. Um, if you don't have any friends who are like that, you know, this is one of my problems when I was younger. I, I would be like, well, you know, I don't have a whole lot of good friends who are girls, and frankly, all the girls I know want to talk about clothes and guys and, you know, lame stuff that I'm just not interested in talking about. Guys were more fun. They wanted to climb trees. They wanted to, you know... <laughs> Do something that was real. So, you know, I wanted to hang out with guys. But there was, you know, once I hit that 13, 14, 15-year-old threshold, there was more than just climbing trees to it. And I needed to cultivate some good friends. Now, it was hard for me to find some good girl friends where I was at that time in my life. Most of the girls that I was around were just kind of shallow. They wanted to talk about movies more than they wanted to talk about God. And so spending time with them meant I wanted to talk more about movies. And there were movies I hadn't seen, so that was really boring. <laughs> so you just want to build friendship bonds with somebody of the same sex. This is one of the greatest gifts that you have of your singleness. Realize, you know, when you're walking through the grocery store thinking, man, if only I could be holding hands like those people I just walked past. They're so in love. <sighs> Realize most of the married people that are walking past you in that grocery store are wishing they were single. I'm serious. You know, I've never once wished I was single since I married my husband. Sometimes wished I didn't have so many kids. <laughs> I love my kids to death, but wow, you know. I, I miss the days when I could just be alone with my husband. He was so great. Still is. <laughs> I've never wanted to go back, but I know most people who get married, they do. They wish they could go back and be single. Appreciate what you have. If you're still single, rejoice in it. Revel in it. Get the most you can out of it. And one of the greatest ways to get the most you can out of it is cultivating not just opposite-sex friendships, but same-sex friendships. You know, I found in those days before I was 16, um, and when I was 16, when I was spending time with guys and I was cultivating my, my intimate relationships with guys, um, my friendships with girls just kind of stayed shallow. Because whenever there was something deep on my heart, I'd look for the guy that I was currently most interested in, because there were usually, you know, several in the backup plan. And, and if I could get him to talk with me, oh, that just felt so much better than having a girl talk to me. You know what I mean? It's, it's bond building. We want to build bonds. But you cheat yourself. Women need friendships with other women. And believe it or not, men need friendships with other men. You're going to need those friends for the rest of your life. You need to build a network, and you cheat yourself. If every time something good happens to you or something bad happens to you, the person you go to is the person you're currently most hormonally interested in.
Does your friendship itself feature as a topic of conversation between you? You've heard these conversations. I remember, you know, I'd have friends with, you know, a, a guy who is just, he's a nice guy, I'm a nice girl, we all have nice conversations, and then it would come up, the conversation. I appreciate your friendship so much. You just mean so much to me. You know, I don't know what I'd do without you here to talk to. Have you ever been there? How many of you have had a conversation like that? When this conversation happens, just see on this person's forehead a blinking sign. Caution, caution, <laughs> caution, caution. <laughs> they're interested, or they're at least trying to build a bond with you. They're wanting to be sure of where you are in your bond with them. They're wanting affirmation. She means a lot to me. Now I need to know that I mean a lot to her. It's actually kind of a selfish conversation many times. It's not usually as much about affirming the other person in their friendship as it is about, I just need a little bit of affirmation that this person likes me, that they care about me, that they think I'm worthwhile. And it can be a note or something like that. Now, am I saying that all notes and all conversations like this are evil? You know, now he wants to marry you. No, don't. You know, just, you know the context and you know your friends, but just, just realize, caution, caution. When a person is trying to talk with you about your friendship, especially when your friendship features as a main topic of conversation over and over, you got a problem. Unless you want to get married to this person. Hey, you know, go for it. Do you find yourselves wanting to talk without other people around? Like my friend who wanted to walk alone with me, even though we are walking with a whole group of people, he wanted to walk alone with me. Um, again, there's nothing evil about this. It's a natural step toward building bonds with a person. Um, before you marry somebody, you need to talk about things like, do you want to have children? Do you want to go to the mission field? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? You, these things you have to talk about. You know, you got to talk about birth control before you marry somebody. We hope. Um, but you don't want to talk about those things in a group. Right? <laughs> so you see what I'm talking about. In the steps toward marrying a person, you want to follow them logically. You need to have a step where you're building intimate bonds, talking and conversations that only the two of you need to have. But if you start that in the time when you're saying, you know, we're only friends, but I just want to be alone with her. I just want to talk alone with her about things. This is something that often, um, it, it'll make you, I don't know how to describe it other than if you've been there, you know. When you, it's, there's nothing evil about talking alone with a person at a table. Everybody else gets up and leaves and you're still there. But if you find yourself regularly doing this with someone, realize that they may be building a bond with you that is looking more toward a lifetime partner. Do you find yourself wanting to touch your friend? You might just, you know, bonk. Every time you walk past each other on the way to class, you go boom. Um, or, you know, you're, you're standing in line. And you kind of just put your arm around the other person. Hey, how's it going today? You mess with their hair. You, you know, you know what it's like. You make sure that when you're singing side by side, we stand, you're standing side by side. <laughs> you know, and some people, you know, granted, some people are more touchy than others. Some cultures are more touchy than others. I had a guy telling me the other day, you know, I just felt so creeped out because this guy that was my friend, you know, he kept on wanting to give me a hug or rub my shoulders. Well, you know, 
I knew that the guy that he was talking about, he's Spanish, it's, it's his culture, and he's just, it's his personality too. I knew he wasn't interested in the other guy. He wasn't. But this other guy wasn't comfortable with that because he wasn't culturally there. Um, you know, I love the wonderful, warm Spanish culture, and there are many other cultures that cultivate a, you know, a familiarity and touch. But Ellen White does talk about how, you know, you can, you can be friends with a person that's an opposite sex, but you do not want to lie down reclining upon them. Um, and, and this is a way of honestly playing with people's hearts sometimes. You're playing with hormones to get a high. And that is, you know, premarital sex, I don't want to be extreme here, but premarital sex is stealing intimacy without commitment. And stealing hormonal highs without a commitment is a, a, maybe a much lesser form, but still a form of the same thing, isn't it? Getting a high off of somebody else hormonally when you're not really wanting to have a lifelong relationship with them. You're stealing from their future spouse and from your future spouse. Guard your heart. Don't touch people um, playfully like that for no good reason. I'm not saying don't ever hug your friend, um, <clears throat> but just find a balance there. Are your conversations about facts, like what happened in class, or that it, do they include your feelings? I don't mean you can never talk about your feelings without getting into more than just friendship. But, you know, when you have a f- friend who, have you ever had friends like this who, every time you run into them, it's like a cloud comes over them. I'm just so down today. Can you come and have lunch with me? I don't know what's wrong. Everything's just going wrong today. Say, so, well, what's wrong? I don't know. I just need some time with you. This, this is a, a possible, uh, a possible uh, dependency. When you find a person really needs to be with you. Um, <clears throat> you can just talk about feelings, you know. It's, it's easy to build bonds with people, but once you build a bond, it's like putting those two magnets close together. And I have people talk to me, you know, it, it seems like it's a fairly frequent thing. I'll have somebody say, you know, I don't know what to do. It seems like so-and-so is interested in me, and I'm not really interested in him. And I'll be like, well, okay, so how do you, you know, why don't you just let him know you're not interested? Well, I don't know. Okay, so how are you sure he's interested? Well, because the other night we stayed up until like midnight talking on the phone, and we were on the phone like three hours. Well, duh. Um, (laughs) If you don't want to build bonds with a person, if you don't want to give them the message that you may be interested in more than friendship with them, don't spend a lot of time getting into deep things. How can you get out of it? When I was call portering, we used to have an expression called devil's rabbits. Any of you ever call portered? You know what a devil's rabbit is? A devil's rabbit is kind of like a dragon that every time you cut off one head, it sprouts three. <laughs> and some conversations are like that. I, I know, you're still confused here, right? <laughs> if, I'm, if I was cold portering, it went like this. I'd say to the person, do you believe in the Bible? They'd say, you know, that's an interesting question. I believe in some Bibles, but have you ever read this version of the Bible? Come on inside. I want to show you my 12 versions of the Bible. And, and, you know, when you say, oh, yeah, you know, I believe in the King James Version of the Bible. I think that's the best Bible. And they go, really? Well, you know, there's an interesting story I read about King James. And, and this, this conversation will go on eternally. Um, so when you have a conversation about emotional things, people know how to bait, you know. And they'll figure out, well, she just wants to rescue. I knew a friend in the academy who was always helping everybody, but she could never get her schoolwork done. 
because everybody had so much to talk to her about. So they'd go and unburden their hearts to her, and then the guys or the girls, anybody would unburden their hearts to her, and she was such a great listener that she couldn't get any schoolwork done. Um, some people know how to bait you and keep you listening to them. Well, I just, if you won't talk to me about it, then I guess nobody will be there for me, ever. That's manipulative. <laughs> just know, when you, when you want to build a bond with somebody, build it in a healthy way, but don't build it by trying to talk forever about their feelings and their needs and that kind of thing. Do you ever find your eyes lingering on your friend, especially when they're not looking? Mm. You come on, you've been there. Admit it. Everybody in here has probably had that experience, right? Anybody not? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. You go in the cafeteria and you see them and you just think, wow, I like that new haircut. And it's not just guys, you know. Guys, I know guys are visual and that tends to be, you know, it's a guy thing. And like Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. You, you cannot stop yourself from sometimes noticing, ooh, I like that. But you don't have to keep looking. And, and the, there's something to be said for the instantaneous avert the eyes. How do you think Joseph was able to flee from Potiphar's wife? It was because he had made a lifestyle of running. When, when he saw a woman who was looking at him in the wrong way, he looked away. You know that, because otherwise, how could he have done it? When the big temptation hit, he had made a lifestyle of choosing things. You know, my husband, I just, I love my husband. I have to tell you about him. Um, he told me about this girl one time who was, he, she came to talk to him um, about guys. She just, she, he was a chaplain at college. Somehow, girls seem to think that chaplains have no hormones. So she comes to him, she's like, you know, I just don't know what to do. All guys are such jerks. <laughs> she says to a guy who's not a jerk too she, she says all oh, guys you know it doesn't matter who they are or how nice they are once I go out with them they all want the same thing and you know he said eventually you know she's talking to him and complaining to him about this for a while and she's, he's just having to avert his eyes because what she's wearing ended right here and um, started right here and, and you know it's just the, okay for those who can't see it was a mini skirt and a, sh- and a v- v-neck shirt. You know, she just, what kind of guys was she expecting to get? I shared this with, a, at Southern, we were at a, a, a panel discussion the other day. And I, I said, well, you know, this, some girls, they expect, you know, they, they get what they expect from guys because they, they ask for it. And the guys gave a round of applause. And I think, you know, that's the truth. There are so many godly guys who aren't looking for a woman to tease them. And women, you know, I mean, my husband's probably going to talk about this a little bit later, but sometimes we just, we don't really realize. Now, there were times that I realized when I was 15 or 16, I would put on the tightest shorts I had because I knew that the guys liked to look at that. And I'm, I'm just being real. I'm being brutally honest. I'm ashamed of myself now, but at the time I thought, well, you know, this short shirt... They like it, don't they? I noticed, I noticed that my guy friends would come and wrap their arm around my waist a little more often when I was wearing something like that. And I liked that attention. I was robbing them. Girls, we kind of, it's like we let a guy starve and then we put this big feast of food in front of him and say, but you can't have it because I'm pure. 
I'm saving myself. And we defile our brothers. We don't see it that way because, you know, when a guy wears short, tight shorts, honestly, I'm just kind of like, no. But it's not that way for everybody. You know, different stripes, different types. Some people have some temptations in one area. Some people have temptations in another area. We need to guard one another, don't we? If we truly love, we'll try to come up higher. So anyway, do you find your eyes lingering on your friend, especially when they're not looking? Do you look for him or her when they come into a room? Do other people think of you as a couple or tease you about each other? And how do you feel about it when they do? Do you enjoy it? Now, I remember in, in grade school, this girl who everybody knew had this deathly crush on this dork of a guy, um, honestly. But she was in love. And her friends grabbed her on the playground one day and were dragging him, her toward him. And she's screaming and pretending she's trying to get away. But the whole time we all know she's loving this. <laughs> He's looking. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we sometimes do something to a much lesser degree, even when we're more mature. We enjoy it. Even though we try not to ask for it, we want it. Be honest with ourselves. That's the, that's the bottom line. Don't lie to yourself. Do you sometimes think about, even if you would never mention it out loud, your friend's looks or outward attractiveness? If your friend were the same sex you are, would you feel the urge to spend as much time together? Hormones do great things for friendship enhancement, don't they? You know, the person may have the lamest personality. I dated this guy, and honestly, he was 14 and I was 16. And I dated him purely because he was the cutest guy in the school. And he was also the most self-centered guy in the school, easily. I would have been nauseated by conversation with him if he had been a girl. But because he was cute, I would endure. And, you know, it's just remarkable how dumb we can be, isn't it? Do just think about it. Do you like being seen with your friend? Does he or she seem to enjoy it? Sometimes that may be not just because of your attraction to them, but maybe because of pure popularity. You know, it make, it's good for my image to be seen with this person. That's still, that's not right, is it? It's, it's not right to use a person to try to enhance your own image. That's selfishness and using a friend. If you or your friend were to get married to someone else, would your friendship have to change in its intensity or its direction of growth? You know, I've had friends who just... They somehow seem to, I don't know, it was amazing. They'd be my best friend one day, and then as soon as they were interested in somebody else, I was dropped like a hot potato because somebody else enhanced their hormones a little bit more. Do you ever wonder if your friend finds you attractive? Does their opinion influence what you choose to wear, how you do your hair, etc.? Now, I think that it's a good thing to wear things that are attractive on you, that, you know, the right colors that are flattering, things like that. Obviously, you want to avoid things that are, you know, skin tight, form fitting, things like that that enhance your appearance a little too much. Um, but just like I shared earlier, a lot of times a girl will wear something to attract guys, even though she's not consciously wanting to say, let me just see if I can be as slutty as possible. I want to make all these guys think of me the wrong way. That's, you know, that's not a conscious um, thought sometimes. I was, I was astounded when one of my, uh, when my lifeguard teacher talked to me one day. I, you know, see, this was when I was 16, remember. I was just right before I decided to change radically the way that I related to guys. 
And she sat down with me one day and she said, Nicole, if you keep acting the way that you're acting with the guys, you're not going to be a virgin much longer. She blew me away. I had no idea. I was so... I really wanted to be a witness. I was praying every day that God would help me to be good. I was trying to have devotions every day. Um, but I was defrauding the guys by the way that I dressed, by the way that I touched them, by the way that I teased with them all the time. Flirtation seemed to me it just it's the way of life. Everybody does it this way, right? But it was, it was evil. It was robbing me of my friendships with guys because I discovered later on all these guys, they looked down on me. One of my friends, when he, he saw my application when I was planning to go to Washita Hills, and he laughed at it. He said, Christ-like? You want to be Christ-like? And I was like, well, yeah, I do want to be Christ-like. He looked at me. He's like, you're not serious. I said, yes, I am. He never really, he's just like, okay, that's so weird. You know, he just, he couldn't even relate it to who I was, who I seemed to be on the outside. But, you know, I had gone through... A, a hard time in my life. I'd always thought that if I could just be popular, if I could have lots of guys like me, if I could have lots of girls like me, I'd have a great life. And then when I, when I finally had lots of friends, I was finally popular, I had the right clothes, the right friends and all that, I found it was so unsatisfying. I went back to my room one day and just cried, left a party right in the middle of it. it was not, a, not a smoking, drinking, doing drugs party, just a movie-watching, goofing-off party. And I went back home and cried. I said, it's all so empty. I thought this would be everything, and it's nothing. I don't want it anymore. All of those things, just, they, they were robbing me. Did I finish the last one there? No, I think I did. There we go. Number 13, do you cherish little mementos, notes, etc. that your friend has given you? <clears throat> Some of those, I don't know how I'd handle it without you, kind of notes. No, there's nothing evil about having a sweet little memento here and there, a bookmark somebody gives you. But if you're cherishing everything... Looking at it, taking it out, and looking at it. I remember I used to sleep every night with a, a letter from a guy who was just my brother. But every night I slept with his, his letter in my hand. I wadded it all up and slept with it next to my heart for like a year. We still have you. <laughs> That's because my mother found it a few months ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't sleep with it. <laughs> Do you often think warmly of little thoughtful things that your friend has done for you or with you? Do these things feature prominently in your mind, especially when you feel down or lonely? If, especially when you're down, you think about, but so-and-so really loves me. He really values my friendship. She really thinks I'm wonderful. That can indicate a dependency. It's not healthy. Would you be shocked if your friend started a committed relationship with someone other than you without talking to you about it first? Do you sometimes say or do things purposely to be noticed by your friend? You know what I mean. You find yourself laughing louder when they're in the room, or maybe, you know, suddenly the cloud descends over you. Yeah, it's been a hard day. Yeah, this, these are ways to get the attention, but they're harmful. You mention things to somebody else and hoping that that person will say it to your friend. Yeah, MySpace, mercy. We don't even go there. <laughs> Do you defend your friendship to others, to each other, or in your own mind by pointing out that you or your friend are not interested in each other? But they're, you know, Rodney and Sherry are together. They're really happy with that, and we're all happy with that. Yeah. I was really happy with my best friend who was a guy, too, until one day he came, called me up and said, you know, 
I've been uh, thinking about it, and I just decided I was going to break up with Kim because I, I like you better. Will you date me instead? And all of a sudden, this guy who had just been my brother became my boyfriend because I'd been lying to myself the whole time, honestly. I liked him, he liked me, and we were just flirting and messing with each other's hearts. If you are in a committed relationship with someone else, does your significant other seem to mind your friendship as they see it? Um, this is something that also would apply if you're married. You know, what, a spouse sometimes has a really good idea of where their spouse's heart is. And if you want to guard your heart so that you can someday be the kind of spouse that your spouse can trust for the rest of their lives, focus on this. Never, never be in any way untrustworthy. If you are in a committed relationship with someone else, do you ever hide aspects of your friendship from your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or think things like, I could certainly never let Jeff know that I thought that about Douglas? And have you ever thought, well, if he or she were available, I might be interested, but that's not the way things are. Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 4 says, Young women of Jerusalem, promise me never to awaken love before it is ready. There is a, a time-tested principle you can apply to all of your relationships. Intimacy without commitment spells trouble. If you are building too close a friendship with somebody who is not your spouse, not your boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know in your heart, no, this isn't a person I should date, this is not a person I should consider marrying, then don't build intimacy beyond what's healthy. Um, those, those questions I give you, they're just kind of a sampling of things, ways for you to be honest with yourself. Now I'm going to talk about the circles of intimacy. This is something that... Um, I think you can, you can relate to, you know, the next question that a lot of people ask me is, well, but how can I, you know, I am good friends with somebody of the opposite sex, and I realize in reading through these questions, well, you know, we probably are a little closer than we should be, and no, we definitely don't want to date each other, but what can I do? I don't want to just mess up our friendship. Um, here's what you can do. The circles of intimacy that I'm going to share with you here are... Um, Ways you can measure the depth and intensity of the intimacy of your friendship. Um, a marriage relationship is going to go all the way to the heart of these. But uh, a less intense relationship should stay in the outer layers. The outermost layer is casual greetings. Hi, how are you? You said that you know, like 40,000 times since you got to GYC, right? <laughs> casual greetings, that's the outermost level of communication. The next one is information. <clears throat> Oh, man, it was really hot at home before we got here. Yeah, it was hot at home, too, for us. You know, we, we've just been having really hot weather these days somehow. Information. Um, the next one is opinions. So what do you think of George Bush as the president? Um, you know, people have varying opinions. There's nothing wrong with sharing your opinions with people. Sometimes you can get really intense in sharing your opinions. But these are the things that build healthy friendships and that actually help you to build your communication skills so that someday you will have a higher quality marriage. Um, there are some great books you can read about how to communicate more effectively. I would um, recommend particularly like The Language of Love and The Five Love Languages. They have some terrific principles on how to really open up and communicate, listen to other people as well as sharing yourself. Um, and those are all important but here's where you start getting into the bonding things, emotions. When you share emotions with other people, now this, 
this circle could be one that could just be shaded gradually darker as you get closer to the middle. Emotions are where you start building bonds. You can share your opinions and information and everything with people without really bonding with them. You can talk with people on the subway about this kind of stuff. When you start talking about your emotions, you know, I feel. You can share all the way from, I kind of feel tired today, I feel depressed today, whatever, all the way to the deepest circles, which I'm going to call your deep needs and fears. Um, when you share your deep needs and fears with somebody, know that you're building strong intimacy with that person. If you don't want to build strong intimacy with this person, you should not be sharing your deepest needs and fears with them. Those are things that should be reserved for a relationship that's committed. Between a guy and a girl, generally, if somebody comes to you, what if you have somebody, you know, I've had people who come to me, you know, within a couple of hours, they're saying, you know, I've, I've just been struggling with something I want to share with you. I, I just don't have anybody else I can talk to. Only you really understand. And they proceed to pour out their guts to me. Now, because I'm a counselor, I'm used to that. But I also realize if a, if a young man comes to share with me, even though I'm married and people understand, you know, she's married, she's not available, she's very happy with her husband. I think that's very clear to everybody who knows us. But I still know I should not get myself in a situation alone with any single or married man who's sharing his deep needs and fears alone with me. That is not a boundary you want to cross. Whether you're single or you're married, you do not want to cross that boundary. I would invite my husband to be with us. I would tell that person, you know, you need to go talk to my husband instead of talking to me. Um, uh, when a person shares with you like that, even if you're not sharing with them your deep needs and fears, sometimes you need to put a stop to it before they share. Because even though you're not building a bond with them, see, sharing your own deep needs and fears builds your bond with them. But them sharing their deep needs and fears builds their bond with you. Then when you see them the next day, you kind of wave hi, you know, next week or next month. You wave hi, you walk past casually. But that, that may not be the way that they feel anymore. They've just poured their hearts out to you. They've built a bond with you, and now they've been vulnerable with you. And the, the responses that you give them in life mean a lot to them now. If you reject them as they perceive it by saying, hi, how are you? And then you keep talking to your other friends. That, that may show them, she doesn't value me. He doesn't think I'm really worthwhile because I poured out my soul to him and he doesn't even care. A person who's vulnerable and easily emotionally influenced is the person who's most likely to share those things with you. If a person is coming to you and talking to you about those things, you need to back away. Now, some of you may not be in relationships or, or situations where you have that happening a lot, but if you're going to be in ministry, this is especially crucial um, not only for guys who are going to be pastors or, you know, women who are going to be counselors or anything like that, but just, you know, if you're going to be a Bible worker, you're going to go and give a Bible study to somebody and they say, actually, I'm really struggling with an addiction and I just need to pour out my heart to somebody. Can you listen to me? You need to be careful. If this person is an opposite sex person, don't say, I'm married, she's married, we would never. Don't do that to yourself. Say, you know what? I would love to talk to you and I really care what's going on in your life. But I've made a principle for myself that I'm not going to have deep conversations alone with somebody who I'm not going to um, you know, consider as a life partner. Whatever you have to do, just get out of that situation and say, I really care about what's going on in your life and I want to be there for you. But I think what's the best thing for you is to have somebody who can be there with you long term. Let me call a friend of mine 
who's really good about talking about these things. Or let me call my spouse. Or why don't you bring your spouse? If nothing else works, make sure that that person brings their spouse into the circle because then it's not, you break that intimacy. You see, marriage is about two people who have a deep intimacy. And if you don't want to build that intimacy with this person, bring at least a third person into the conversation. If you find you go to the church, you know, Saturday night get together and somebody's singling you out of the crowd and talking to you. You know, I just I just really want to talk to you about something. Invite a friend over, invite a couple of friends over. One time when I was I was at Net 99 and I'd invited a bunch of people to come to the meetings and one one of the guys who came, it soon became evident, came because he had asked me out and I said, "Oh no, I don't do that, but why don't you come to this prophecy seminar that I'm uh, attending?" So he came to the prophecy seminar, but he was much more interested in other things than prophecy. And <laughs> He wanted to go home, walk home with me one evening. He wanted to take me out for coffee. Well, that was complicated. No, uh, I don't drink coffee. Oh, well, then we can go out for tea. Um, how about, how about um, you walk home with me? <laughs> but fortunately, I had anticipated this, so I had talked to like four of my other guy friends and said, guys, I think this guy likes me. Can you, if you see him talking with me, swoop. So they did, the whole pack of them. And I walked home. I walked home with five guys. <laughs> they all walked happily with me. They surrounded us. They, you know, talked with him, involved him in conversation. And when they left for the evening, they took him along. Hey, you want to walk back to our church with us where we're staying? They were great. When you have good friends, make use of them. <laughs> stand there going, I really need to go. I've got to put a casserole in the oven after I make it. (laughs) Find some friends. Have a friend that you call. Have somebody you say, hey, Lindsay, I want you to come over here and meet my friend George here. George and I have just, you know, met, but he's a really nice guy. And, you know, and involve other people who are the same sex as this person who, who you're talking to, who wants to build intimacy with you. Whatever you do, do not allow your conversations to go that deep. It's just like the magnets, remember? You have two magnets, you let the magnets get closer and closer to each other. You may do something foolish. Snap. So don't do it. Just pull them farther apart. When the person wants to talk to you about emotions and needs and fears, you say, you know, I think that's something. Do you have any close girlfriends who you could talk to about that? Because I just really feel like that's something that you could share with them. Or you know what, let's have a prayer together. Prayer is a wonderful thing. Well, let's, let's pray and talk to the Lord about that. Have you talked to the Lord about this lately? You know, there's a teacher that I've talked to who's been really compassionate. I'm going to take you and introduce you to him because I think he could really help you with this. Whatever you do, don't try to take it on because the devil is bigger than you. And all he has to do is have you open the door a crack by saying, Oh, come on, that would never happen to me. And he will take you farther than you think. <clears throat> all right, um, we have... Just about finished here. I did want to share one last thing on intimacy without commitment spells trouble. Here are a few things that I just would want to warn you of. Intimacy without commitment may mean flirting. It may mean being overly affectionate. It may mean sharing secrets or having little rituals. You know, every time you walk past each other, you do a little whop. You hit each other with a hip. Um, little rituals like that are bond building. And so once again, it's not just talking about intimate things that can build your bonds, but sometimes just having little secrets you share, things that you talk about only with this person that you do only with this person. We always eat lunch together every day. Those kinds of things. All right, I think we finished. Um, For those who weren't here last time for the 
um, announcement. If you have any questions, we're going to have a question box, but you can bring up your questions, write them on a piece of paper, and put them on the table here. We're going to deal with them tomorrow in our final session. Any questions you have? Thanks so much. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.